Good morning. It's good to see you all today and uh, a little bit of humid weather. You don't mind, do you? And uh, you know, you know, it's really refreshing for me on a humid day. There's a popsicle. It really helps me concentrate. You guys don't mind me eating these in front of you, do you? You do? Well, guys, help them out, will you? And while you're getting your popsicles and enjoying those, I just want to say thank you for uh, joining us this morning in this kind of weather. Um, it's unpredictable what God, uh, what God plans. My grandfather used to tell me, whenever I would complain about the heat or the cold or whatever weather, he said, do you know how to change the weather? And I said, no. He says, then don't let it change you. And I thought, you know, that's pretty good, that's pretty good advice from my grandfather. And so um, I just happen to like every kind of weather, whether it's humid, hot. We were in um, India, and it was 119 degrees, and it was raining. And uh, it was like, hey, I feel like a lobster steaming from the ground. And, and it didn't just like sprinkle. I mean, it was coming down in buckets. And we just, it was like, this is just, embrace life as an adventure, and you will do a lot more joy. So um, enjoy. At the end, when you are done with this, I say just, you know, put your wrapper next to you. We'll make sure we pick them up for you, okay? And that way you don't even have to worry about it. This is a full-service church. <laughs> but I am done. So I'm going to put that there. Will you pray with me? God, thank you. Thank you for refreshing popsicles. Thank you for weather that is unpredictable, that reminds us that even when it's warm, you're still good. And when it's cold, you're still good. And when it's humid, you're still good. God, may you put into our hearts a spirit of adventure as you take us somewhere that you want us to go, whether it's in your word or as a church, as people, wherever it is, God. And we're going to say thank you. Thank you that um, your goodness has no end. And we praise you, and your mercies are new every morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I want to just uh, read something here if I can. And uh, you actually know what it is because it's, it's the sentences that we have been looking at from the text. As we get ready to look at this, I want us to put ourselves in the mindset of the people sitting there. They were sitting there hearing from the Son of God who... Imagine being that close physically to him. Imagine uh, what, if you didn't recognize him, you, and most people missed it, right? But literally, they were within just a few feet of the one who actually wrote all these words down. But imagine sitting there and hearing from him as he begins to talk. And as he begins to talk, uh, he sits down and he takes this position of authority because that's what rabbis did. He's on a mountain, which for their mindset and their imagery meant that something important because the law was given from the mountain, remember? God spoke from mountains. And now all of a sudden, Jesus on the side of a mountain says, Blessed are the poor in spirit because theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall find comfort. Blessed are the meek because they will inherit the earth. And he begins to teach these words. 
as he teaches these words and speaks these words, what I always find interesting is just how different that must have sounded to them. In fact, we know it sounded different because at the very end of this message, everybody went, we've never heard anything like that. This is so different from what we've been hearing our entire life, and it was upsetting, and it was inspiring all at one time. And we want to be able to have that same mentality. And so when we started this series a few weeks ago, we said we want to start with the end in mind. We want to start with the end in mind. But before we do, I just want to read these sentences to you. Jesus is saying, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You're the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a lampstand and it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This is the first time in Jesus' teaching, especially in this sermon, that he identifies the Father. That's an important thing for us to pay attention to as we move forward because he says he identifies the Father 17 more times in this text, in this, in this sermon that he preaches. And it wasn't that they didn't understand the idea of God being Father-like, but he actually identifies him in a personal level of your Father. And so as we begin to look at these words, I just want to make sure that, that we have where we started. Let's begin with the end in mind. The end is this, Jesus said, whoever hears my words and does them, he's wise. Whoever hears my words and doesn't do them, not so wise. He says, foolish. Can I make a quick confession to you? I have heard the words of God my entire life and ignored them. When Jesus says, love your enemies, you know what I do? I, I talk about them sometimes. Pray for those who persecute you. Ah, nah, okay, I pray that God will get them, but I don't pray for them. I mean, I try to, and not always, though. I have been foolish in how I have listened to God more times than I care to admit. And maybe, maybe if we were honest this morning, we would say something very similar, that we don't always build our lives on the very things that God says, because He says, hear them and then do them. I grew up in a, in a part of the body of Christ that hearing them was the goal. Let's hear the word of God every week, but that, you know, we go out and we live however we choose throughout the week, and we come back and we hear it again, and we go, oh man, that was great. I have a friend that whenever he hears me speak, he says, oh, you really kicked me in the backside today, Leonard. Sometimes I just need a good kicking. And I thought, no. We never need a good kicking. What we need is just simply to do what he says. And so let's begin with the end in mind that Jesus is saying, I want your life. I want your work. I want this church. I want my kingdom to be strong and established. So hear what I say and do something with it. Otherwise, you become foolish. Here's a second side note that we want to do. Jesus is reorienting our thinking. He's talking about an uncommon kingdom. He's, he's saying words that these people would say, ah, I, that's different from what I've heard. That's, that's different. Poor in spirit. Nah, 
We've been told that being poor is wrong. Being poor is the curse of God. Luke actually doesn't even say poor in spirit. Luke just says poor. Poverty was a really big issue then. At that point in time, just in less than 1% of the people had enough to live, and those were usually the religious people. The rest of Israel suffered and struggled under taxes, under the weight of poverty, under oppression. So Jesus is reorienting our thinking and he's saying, listen, I want you to, I want you to think differently. I want you to understand that, that what is common in, 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 in the world you live is uncommon in my kingdom. I want something different for you. I want something better for you. I want something that, that brings you in. And so he says this, he says, here's uncommon because I want you to see God different. I want you to see God as our father, not a father. I want it to become personal. I want it to become meaningful. I want you to see God as our Father. Our Father. And God, our Father, who sees what we do in secret, rewards us. A good Father. We can talk to Him about the needs of our life. He says, I want you to have a different way of seeing God. I also want you to have a different way of seeing the kingdom because the kingdom is present. For many of the people hearing these words, the kingdom was future. One of these days, God, when you restore Israel, one of these days when you, when you set Rome aside, and one of these days when you fix all that's broken, all the oppression, one of these days, and, and Jesus is saying, no, 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 the kingdom is now. And it's not the kingdom that you think of. The kingdom that you're thinking of is a physical, earthly kingdom. The one I'm thinking of is what, the place where I am in charge, and I'm the king, and, and now you live out the values everywhere you go. That's a different way of thinking, isn't it? And then the last one, he says, I want you to see yourself as kingdom people first. That's who we are. We're kingdom people before we're any other kind of people. We're kingdom people before we are, we are our ethnicity. We're kingdom people before we are our national heritage. We're kingdom people before anything else. We're kingdom people before we're denominational. We're kingdom people first. And Jesus is saying, I want you to see everything in that light now. You're kingdom people. And that's why in the next chapter, we're going to say, we're going to read Jesus saying these words, seek first the kingdom. Put first this kingdom that is God's kingdom right now where he is my king and I live in real time, living out this reality that God is my Father, that His kingdom is present, and that that's my priority, to live out the values. And He says, when I get that right, I'm like a wise man who built his house on the rock, not a foolish man who hears and ignores it. We live in a pretty conflicting time, don't we? The values that we're told to live by all of the time. seems like everything... We forgot how to listen to each other, haven't we? We forgot how to, to hold differing opinions at the same time, haven't we? And what God says through Matthew, through the words of Jesus, in my kingdom there's something different, and I want you to live in that. I want you to embrace that. I want you to hold on to that. And then all of that he says, it's not, it's not individual pieces where I can say, ah, oh, Blessed are the poor in spirit. I got that. That's a good one. Meek, eh, not so much. It's one big picture for us. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are 
the meek. Blessed are those who, who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who are merciful. Blessed are those who are pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Because in that, you shine a light. In that, you're a city on a hill. In that, you're the salt of the earth. And so we want to walk through this. The kingdom, kingdom people, you're kingdom people. You are. Not just me. You. We are. Kingdom people are meant to have a presence in this world today. Kingdom people are meant to have a presence in this world today. That's why he says, you're salt. Can I, uh, can I tell you what, uh, and I'll, I'll illustrate this a little later, but I have to take the salt out of my pocket. I brought some. Whenever I use this, it has a presence in my food, and I can taste it. Now, this happens to be smoked salt, so it's really good. But anyhow, and no, you can't have it. But see, the reality of it is, is salt has a presence. It has a presence in our, in our food, in our taste, in our flavor. It is, we, we can only taste five things. We can only taste five things. And salt is the only one of those things that we taste, that we can taste in and of itself. We can taste saltiness. There's an element, or a couple of elements that come together to create it. And I tell you what it was, but I'm not that smart. Salt raises the bar for the world. And Jesus says, you are the salt. Not you're going to be the salt. Hey, when you get this down, it's going to be great. He's saying right now, you are the salt of the earth. You're the salt, and we raise the bar around us because salt, salt preserves, salt flavors, salt seasons. And kingdom people, that's us, are meant to have a presence in the world. You know I say crazy things, right? You're, you're getting used to that yet? This is not what he's referring to. This isn't where we have our presence. We live in our presence here. And we do salt and season each other here. But he's literally talking about out there. He's literally talking about on the highways, on the byways, as we go, as we stop, everywhere we go, that's where we bring presence. The presence of the kingdom and our king. We're meant to have a presence. Light pushes away darkness for everyone. Light's an interesting thing. I, uh, I was working in a, um, in a school when I was going through Bible college, and I, I was a janitor, and that's how I paid for it. So for every night from midnight to 4 a.m., I cleaned 300 bathrooms. And on one part of this school in Burbank, California, I... Um, there was no light anywhere. It was dark. It was pitch black. And if I had not memorized where all the steps were, but it was weird and to be in the complete pitch black. Can I tell you what darkness never does? Darkness never rearranges the furniture. Never does. There was never something there that wasn't there in the light. What darkness does is it disorients me and it disorients the world and it shrinks our confidence and it shrinks our ability to navigate and Jesus says listen when you live in the world as light you push away darkness and create 
an option. Has this ever happened to you that you looked at somebody and went, how in the world could somebody do that? How in the world could this happen? And, and we can come up with a long list. And if It's because darkness limits our options. And so when we live and raise the bar and we live in the presence and bring the presence of God through salt, through light, we actually create options for people to do what? To come home to our Father. To come home and say, God, God, it loves me. He's good. I can trust Him. I can come to Him. I can turn away from my sin and I can turn to Him. I love the word repent, don't you? But I always, I never saw it as an angry word. I mean, well, when I went to, when I went to church as a little kid and the pastor yelled it, I was like, whoa. But I always saw repent as a kind word. Hey, you got to turn the other way. Come on. The way you're going is going to break you. The way you're going is going to ruin you. The way you're going, that's what light does. It invites us into another option. And Jesus says, you're the salt. You're the, you're the light. You're a city on a hill. Now, if you read the Psalms and if you read uh, Psalm 121, it's called a Psalm of Ascent. And what, the, what would happen is, is the people would start singing that song about a day out from the city of Jerusalem. Jerusalem was on a hill and they would see the city from about a day out and they would begin to sing this psalm, I will lift my eyes to the hills from where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth and it goes down this beautiful list of God's interaction in our life because in this picture cities give hope. Cities are where you found resources. Cities are where you found life. Cities are where you found people. Cities are where people set up communities that were for the betterment of each other. And he says, listen, when you build a city, you put it on a hill so everyone can see it. And this morning, God says, East Parkway, you're salt, you're light, and you're a city. We're meant to live in the kingdom now. Every day, every moment, we're kingdom people. And that's the reorientation that he wants to give us because kingdom people are meant to have a presence. And there's something that I think is important to notice, and it's this, that people's presence can be muted. Don't you know that's true? Uh, when, I, when I am at home um, and my kids were little and my wife and I wanted to watch TV, we would always hit mute and turn the captions on. Anybody ever do that? We turn, for us, it was like reading a book, and then I didn't have to read books, right? Um, no, we would watch because we would mute the sound and engage another sense. The truth is, is that oftentimes our presence gets muted in this world. Our saltiness becomes unsalty. Our light it's hidden. The city gets blocked. When salt loses its saltiness, it does so over time. Salt doesn't typically lose its saltiness like that. It's not like, I have some salt, I got it yesterday, oh, tomorrow it's gone. See, here's the thing about salt. This isn't open because I've been using the other ones, but this does me no good. It was not meant for me to bring to church and say, hey, look, smoked salt, oak flavor, mm, right? 
It wasn't meant for that. It was meant for me to use. God says you are salt. God says I am salt. God says we are salt. And it's meant to be put on something right away. It's meant to be used right away. It's not meant to be like, well, you know, I don't want to run out of saltiness. No, this is meant to be applied to the world in which we live. And when we don't, it gets muted. It gets muted. Our saltiness. And here's what he says. He says this. When that happens, it's good for nothing. It's not useful anymore. It, it doesn't make a difference. But here's what happens in my observation around the world. We read that. And we say, ah, let's be salt to each other. And that's not the kingdom mind. The kingdom mind says, let's be salt, period. Wherever we go. Be salt to each other, be salt to, everywhere we go. Let's be salt all over the place. We're going to get to a reason for that in a minute. Here's the other thing that causes salt to lose its, its saltiness. Salt loses its saltiness when it gets mixed with something else. It can become diluted. Doesn't that sound a little bit like the struggle we have as friends of Jesus? That sometimes we just don't salt where we are. Or we become diluted. We just become diluted. And the cares, as he says in chapter 6, the cares of this everyday world dilute us. They distract us. They pull us away. And what Jesus is saying, listen, you're salt. You're light. You're salt. Don't become deluded. Don't just sit there on the shelf. Get out and... Because there's a lot of salt. There's a lot. And let's pour it out as much as we can. Lights can be hidden. And lights can be shined in places they're not needed. Did you know that? I brought this. Doesn't that help everybody see better? Not at all, does it? But I got to tell you what, at 3 a.m., Sitting in Cuba, and I put this right here like that, and I open up my Bible. This is amazing. See, we have to understand that sometimes shining our light is not about the places where light exists. It's about the places where light is needed. You know where that is. I don't have to tell you. It could be in your home. It could be with one of your kids. It could be with your neighbor. We should be asking this question. God, where, where is your light needed? Where has darkness disoriented people? Where has darkness cut off the options for people? Where do I take that? And how do I do that? How do I go about that? And so Jesus says, you're the salt, you're light, you're city. I would say this, that nothing in this world has ever muted me, but I have sure muted myself. I've let my own judgment, my own opinions. I've let my own arrogance, I've let my own fear, my own pride. I, I have muted myself more times than I care to tell you about, especially since we're on video. We don't want to mute ourselves. And part of that is coming back through 
and going. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the merciful. Ble living into the character trait of those things. Those are not instructions. Those are character traits. Coming back into that. It's pretty uncommon, isn't it? He's saying this is different than, this is how the kingdom looks. This is what it should look like. And when I look around, when I see the landscape of, of my country, when I see the landscape of the world, I just don't hear this stuff. I don't see this stuff. Are we going into a political season right now? Does it feel like we ever left one? This is not the language you hear of political seasons, is it? Poor in spirit, humble, meek, pure in heart, merciful. We're not that way. We're not that way at all. And we sometimes act more, less like this, and more like something else. And God's going, no, 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 come here. Come here, my kingdom. That's where you live. That's what you're a part of. Be a part of that now, and it's going to be great for you. Let's keep going here. He doesn't say you're going to be salt. He says you are salt. He doesn't say you're going to be light. You are light. And so one of the things that I would say to us, if we're just going to take this at face value, is let's do it. Where would you want me to do that, God? Is there a coworker that I know that needs salt or light? Is there somebody who, who sells me my tea in the morning or who buys who I'm with? I was in Starbucks or going through yesterday and I looked behind me in the car behind me and I saw a mom and her kid and they were going at it. They were going at it. It, was, it, was, it wasn't pretty at all. And all I could think is, I wonder if somebody bought their drinks, if they would find just a whisper of light, a little whisper of salt. So I asked the lady, I said, would you put their drinks on mine? She says, well, they bought a lot of stuff. I said, well, they're important people. They're worth it. And all of a sudden, the lady who's working at Starbucks, I don't know what it did for the people behind me. They could still be fighting for all I know. But the lady at Starbucks recognized Jesus. Salt and light. Salt and light. Here's what I'm reminded of every day of my life. Somebody's watching. Somebody's watching. There's, there's very few people who are stared at more than pastors. Somebody's watching. Say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, act the wrong way, post the wrong... Somebody's watching. And you know what? It doesn't matter what you do. Somebody's mad. And that's why Jesus comes to us and says, would you just be salt and light and not worry about who's watching? Don't worry about their opinions. Worry about being salt and light. And isn't that good advice for all of us? He says, you already are these things. And so he says in verse, verse 16, this is one of the first verses I memorized as a kid. You know what? Let your light so shine before men that they would see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. There's something about this that I think is really important for us to understand. First of all, he says, let your light so shine. There's a way to say that in our culture. We might say, lamp it up. Turn it up. You know, you remember we had those three-way bulbs when we were kids? You know, click, right? Okay, that's good for 
not much. And then you click it again. Okay, now I can see where, the, where, where, where my book is. Click it up again. Now I can see everything. Here's what he's saying. Put it all the way on. Lamp it up. Turn it up full brightness. Don't let anything mute it. Let your light shine. At its brightest. At its hottest. And then he says this. He says, so that people can see. And that word means more than just look at. It means to perceive and to judge. So that people can look at you and say, I perceive something about the way you live. I, I, your, your, your lifestyle is educating me about something. So they can see your good works. Boy, that's a confusing statement. Good works, what does that mean? Well, we have this thing in our culture. When my kids were little, I would say, I need you to be good. But I actually didn't really mean that. I meant don't be bad. We're going to these people's homes so you be good. And what I really meant was don't break anything there so don't be bad. And we kind of live in that men mindset around our... In fact, when people say, listen, I, I, I'm, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. When I stand before God, it'll be fine. I'm a good person. What are they telling you? They never follow up with the good things they do. They tell you about the bad things they don't do. I don't kill anybody, I don't steal, I don't murder, I don't... We're upside down in our view of good. And when Jesus says, listen, I want people to see, perceive something or someone by the way that you live, he's talking literally about proactively doing good. Looking and saying, what good can I do for you? And what good can I do for you? And, and what good can I do for you? And, and what good... He's actually talking about something that is much more proactive, something that is much more about how we live and love. He's not talking about our morality. He's not saying, well, listen, I know you never say bad words, and I know that you, you are honest. Because I can do that and nobody sees. He's literally saying, I want you to go about doing good because in my kingdom, kingdom people are salt and light and they go about doing good things and that's how they live their lives and they go about it. So let your light shine. Lamp it up so that people can perceive something about someone. And we're going to find out who that is in just a second. Because you do good to everyone around you. And Paul said in Galatians, let's do good to all people especially those who live in the faith. Let's be proactively good. Let's find good things to do, not the absence of bad, but the presence of literally doing good for others. And then he says this, so that they will glorify your Father in heaven. That's kind of a big one, isn't it? So that they will look and say, your Father is spectacular. Your father, the word glory in the Bible has two meanings. One means beauty and reputation. The other means full weight. And it, it, one is a measurement scale and the other is an assessment. And the Hebrew leans much more towards the beauty and reputation. In the Greek, it means more, more of the full weight. And so here's what he's saying. Listen, when you let your light shine, when you are the salt of the earth, and when you proactively do good for others, guess what? People see the full weight of your father. Isn't that fun? I can see what your dad is like. Why? Because you're good. You do good. You do good for others. So he says, let your light shine so people can perceive 
how amazing your father is. How great your father is. I was traveling a few years back and <laughs> somebody was complaining at me about in another country. And I said, oh, oh, you just don't understand who my father is. Oh, well, wait a minute. Tell me about your father because that's important. My father is the maker of heaven and earth. My father creates everything. That's what Paul did in Athens. He said, let me tell you about this unknown God. He's the one in whom we live, move, and have our being. He's the one who created everything. He's the one who decided where you would live and where other people would live. This is who we're... And here's what Jesus is saying. Listen. Everything I do, I do to please my Father. So why don't you do that too? Live that way in this kingdom so that your Father, they could see the full weight of who He is. So that you could see the full weight of how He loves. So that you could see the full weight. Here's what we have to understand. The glory of God exists independent of me because it's who He is. God did everything He did for two reasons. One, his glory. Because it's just who he is. And second is his love. It's who he is. Those are realities that my behavior never changes. And so my life is to live in partnership and friendship with this God. So that I'm never the blockage to showing what an amazing father I have. I'm never the one who hides it because of my behavior. And so here's what Jesus says. In my kingdom, you're kingdom people now. And we have a father in this kingdom. And it's happening right now in real time. And so here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to be salt, because you are. I'd like you to be salty, because you are. I'd like you to be light, because you are, and light shine. I'd like you to do that. And I'd like you to point to what already exists. A God who is good, a God who is great, a God for whom nothing is impossible, a God who is worth everything. Live that way. Live that way. My first time in India in 2002, I stood on a balcony overlooking uh, a, a major highway. And it's about, I don't know, 2 a.m., 3 a.m., and I, I get up early, early, and my time frame's all off when I'm there anyway. So I'm standing there on this balcony, and I see, church is going to start, and I see a man walking, and I see another man walking, and I see another man walking. I see a person, I see a family walking. I ask my friend, Santosh, I said, Santosh, what are those people doing so early in the morning walking? He says, they're going to declare the worth of the God they serve. I said, well, why are they up at 3 a.m.? He says, because it takes them that long to get to temple. It takes them that long to get to the mosque. It takes them that long to get to the place of worship. And I said, would you, would you point out to me this morning the people who started early to get here today? And I met a woman who to get to church, she walked four miles down a mountainside, walked about eight miles 
up a freeway. Caught a bus so she could get across the river. Didn't have enough money to ride the bus the rest of the way, so she got out and she walked the rest of the way, another seven or eight miles. Her journey started at about 2 a.m. And I thought to myself, she shows me the glory of God. She shows me what is worth. God's glory doesn't need me. But God wants to use me so that the rest of the world can see how great he is. That's our job. That's what we do. We are salt. We are light. And we shine through the goodness that we proactively do so that everyone else can look and say, now that's a father. That's a father. That's a God. Oh, he's worth it. And when we do that, God gets all the credit. And we live in exactly what Jesus said. How very blessed you are when you do this. How very blessed you are when you live into this life. How very blessed you are. That's all I got to say this morning. Um, that's enough, I think. You can't have my lamp or my salt, but you can join me in prayer. Father, we, we recognize that You're just amazing. There's nothing you can't do. Your glory shines bright regardless because you are glorious. So God, in your kindness, you invite us in, not because you need us, but because you invite us and you love us to say, let our light shine so that people can see just how spectacular you really are. So God, would you speak to us specifically just about one place where we could begin to do that today? One person that we could show that to. One way in which we could live out and be proactively good to someone else. And may they see you, not us. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to say one thing before we sing. I just want to remind you that we're in a transition period as a church. It's good. It's good to be in transition. Um, my my uh, contacts across the world say, we just need revival. You guys ever hear that before? Oh, we just need revival. And I want to tell you, we don't. Can I tell you what lasts from revival? Revival stories. That's about it. I studied the histories of revivals. People tell the stories of them. A few people are changed, but then everything just kind of drifts back because we have this ability to drift. You know what we really need? We need a reformation. We need to do things differently, think differently, and see differently because when Jesus showed up, he gave a reformation on how people related to God. In about the 4th century, 5th century, there was a reformation on how we understood God. In the 1500s, there was another reformation that we all sit here today because of. We need that today more than a revival. And as we, as we walk through this next uh, 30 days or so, I, I'm just wanting you to come in and be a part of God reforming some things for us. He's the reformer. We're not reformers. We're just participants, and we participate through prayer. And so this week, starting tomorrow from 6 to 6.45 here, we're going to go inside so you don't have to worry about being hot. We're going to go inside join us for prayer 
We're going we're gonna to come before God in five very specific ways as a church, as a faith community, as friends and followers of Jesus, as friends of each other. And we're going to do that. Then, starting next Sunday, we're going to go into 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I don't care what you fast. You can fast something different every day. That's, I don't have any say in that. But I'm going to ask you to stand before God, and we'll give you some ideas and thoughts on that. But just literally before God every day, say, God, I am coming to you. Because prayer doesn't always change what God does, but it sure changes us, right? It moves us to a place where we can be reformed. And so we're going to do that together. And then in a month, on the 13th of September, after church, we're going to sit here together. And we're going to talk and share and figure out what some of our next steps are as we walk through and hear from God. Is that okay with you? Because God loves this place and he loves you. And he wants something done here. And not to revive us, but to reform us. So that we can go where we've never gone, do what we've never done, and give glory to God. So people would say, ah, we're glorifying you. We see your Father. That's what we're going to do. And so I just want to invite you tomorrow night. Come here at 6. We're going to start right on time and end right on time, just so you don't have to. So if you show up at 6.15, make your way in. But please come at 6. But we're going to start right on time. And then if you say, man, I, don't, I can't get out every night, that's okay. Because there's going to be a link that you can go online and pray with us. It'll be live. So you'll be able to pray with us together. Because we want to make sure that we respect all the boundaries and spacing of people um, as well. So I just want to invite you to join us. I can't think of anything more important to do than to come to God. Would you agree with that? Just can't think of anything better. Thank you. Can we sing one more time?